street epistemology is a wonderful approach that anyone can learn. Please follow me on Twitter at MagnaBosco or on Facebook and YouTube at MagnaBosco210. You can learn more about street epistemology at streetepistemology.com. It's not so much a survey as it is like an interview. You want to do it over there? You don't mind, because I, I, I can't, can't just stop and not be stretching. Yeah, can I grab my other camera? Yeah. All right. How far do you go? Just an hour. I just take the, the far outer. I don't take restoration. But I take the full perimeter. The main loop. Yeah. Well, no, not main. I go up that to Bosque, Ferndale, hmm. uh, all those things, that, and come back up. Okay. It's great, great. Uh, oh, it's awesome. Uh, I'm training. <laughs> what are you training for? for? I'm going to Tennessee to hike for a month. Oh wow. So, so I, you, know, you just don't want to show up. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> You will regret that yeah, instantly. 2,500 uh, elevation. Okay. Start hiking. Are you okay if I record it? Uh, sure. Okay. What's your first name? Milton. M I L T O N. I'm Anthony. Nice to meet you, Anthony. Pleasure. So feel free to do your do your stretching. You don't even have to look at the camera. Okay. This is going to be kind of interesting. <laughs> I have a hobby where I'm doing something called street epistemology, mm -hmm. which is a way of questioning. A person's belief whatever belief you have okay. your position on some sort of social issue your view that uh, karma is real maybe you're certain that you've seen a ghost if you think a god exists we pick one of those beliefs and then I ask questions to gently challenge how you could be so sure that that belief is true okay. well, fired up. yeah and I set the timer for five minutes so the more closely aligned you are to the belief, the more important the belief is to you, mm -hmm. the more interesting the conversations tend to be. Okay. So is there a particular belief that we can select that you really think is true, that I can gently challenge with some questions? If you repeat them. Yeah, I will. <laughs> I, um... I will be glad to repeat my questions, and if, the, if they're confusing in any way, no, please no, let no, me no. know. Just, just the, uh, the choices that you, oh, that you outlined. Gotcha. Okay. Do you think a God exists? Do you yes. believe in karma? Yes. Do you think that you've ever seen a ghost? I've seen Santa Claus. You've seen Santa Claus? Seriously. Hmm. Of these beliefs, which ones tend to influence how you behave? God. God one. Okay. Can we talk about that one? You bet. Okay. How certain on a scale from 0 to 100 are you that a God is real? 100. There's no question in your mind? None whatsoever. Okay. 100%. What are the main reasons why you can say that you're 100% sure that there's a God? Because I'm a recovering drug addict and alcoholic and I've been sober 30 and a half years. Okay. And there's nothing except 
being higher than me could have made that happen. Have you ever met anyone who has also battled addiction and was able to get through it without believing in a God? Yes, but not happily. They struggle mightily. They're dry. Uh, they're still miserable. They're fighting it on a daily basis. I specifically think of one in particular guy that I've known for 12 years since I moved here. He refuses to believe in a God, uh -huh. and yet that's his choice. Okay. It's mine. We're, we have free choice, we have free will. Are you believing in the God because you think he's real? I believe that there is a spiritual entity greater than my human knowledge. Because you survived addiction? Not only survived addiction, just because, you know, I believe, you know, there has to be a designer for the design. Okay. These are, and again, these are my beliefs. Right, 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 right. right. I've had many incidents in my life that were literally inches and seconds and millimeters away from disaster. Uh huh. And I still question it at age 60 and a half. Why me? Why not some other guy uh, that survives? I, I feel like I do have some purpose, and the purpose that I have right now is to help other people mm -hmm. that are struggling with addiction mm. uh, and with alcoholism. You know, help guide them down the path that somebody did for me 30 and a half years ago. So it's given me a purpose. The belief is giving your life purpose. Mm -hmm. And you know, I may be completely wrong, but I'd rather have an experimental quest with seeking a higher power than and be wrong than to live an existence and just think, okay, when the lights go off, the lights go off. And if the lights go off and the lights go off, what difference did it make? And if it gave me purpose and being and hope, I mean, look at religion. You know, we're out, you know, they're out killing people on a daily basis, but it gives billions of people comfort. Mm. Maybe a total joke. Mm. We won't know. This could be one big cosmic joke. It could be, you know, do I believe in heaven and the angels and sitting on five thrones and all that stuff? Eh, I don't know. That was written by a man. Or men. Well, how can you be 100% sure if you don't know? It's called faith. I have to have faith. You having faith is allowing you to be 100% sure that your God is real. For me. So the difference in faith and belief is, if you imagine that I had a typewriter just across here, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I said, actually, a pretty good distance up, maybe 10 feet up from there. Yeah. Do you believe that I could push a wheelbarrow across it? Possibly, that if I was a tight wire artist and had done this before, that I could push, you believe I could push a wheelbarrow across. You know, stipulate, okay, maybe. Yeah. Do you have enough faith to get in the wheelbarrow? Okay. Are you saying that faith will allow anyone to conclude anything is true? It's an individual journey for each person. You know, I believe there's as many paths to spirituality or higher power as there ever have been or ever will be people on the planet. It's all an individual journey. Some people choose 
to not believe, and that's their right and their privilege. But for myself, I have seen my past experiences mm -hmm. give me the confidence today to mm -hmm. that, that I have that 100% faith. Mm -hmm. Are you at any level worried that, let's say that you one day discovered that faith was not a reliable way to conclude that anything was true? Would you still want to maintain a belief in a higher power because you would be worried about slipping back into addiction? You know, that's a reasonable question that I don't have a specific answer for. But I have been tried and tested over 30 years with some really tough, tough situations and didn't have to turn to a, a substance to soothe myself or to, to bury myself to crawl into again. Uh, you know, I've, and I have, I've gotten extremely angry at God. It turns out he's a lot bigger than I am, so it doesn't really bother him. And God is really just a descriptive term for just a lack of a better way of saying it. You know, it could be Father Nature, Mother Earth, uh, the spiritual, uh, you name it. I just use God because I grew up, you know, in a Christian faith and I don't know any better. Mm -hmm. But I... I don't like the church. Mm. I'm not so much interested in, in these institutions mm -hmm. and so the doctrine. I don't need an institution. Yeah, I'm more interested in how people are concluding that these things are real. However, I'm always a little trepidatious mm -hmm. when I encounter somebody who is convinced that the belief is preventing them from slipping back to harmful behaviors. Don't know that it is or isn't, but I'm not willing to risk it. Yeah, neither am I. So I think at this point I want to end the talk <laughs> because uh, my questions can often be somewhat challenging, mm -hmm. but I, I don't want to harm people by You're asking not, these you, questions. You won't harm me. It's that simple. I mean, if you hit me, you, know, you might. But I mean, you know, challenging my beliefs, I've got enough confidence in them and experience over 60 years of life. Mm. If you... One last question. Okay. Possibly last question. I tend to say that and then I ask four more. If uh, you started embarking from this day forward on a journey of trying to believe things that were true, and I'm not saying that you weren't already doing that, but let's say that you a year later realized, you know what, I, I'm not convinced that there's any higher power. I'm, I'm okay saying that I probably got through that difficult time without some entity making sure that it happened. How would your life be any different a year from now if you found yourself moving from the 100% down to like a two? I don't see it happening. I mean, I've just got too much history. That wasn't really quite the question. Mm -hmm. The question was, if you did find yourself moving down on the confidence, how would your life be any different? I think it would be a lot less fulfilling. I think that I... The fact that I didn't have something to turn to uh, in times of need or in times of joy uh, to appreciate. Uh, it's just, it's kind of empty any other way. Okay. Your life would have less meaning if you didn't believe in a God. True. Okay. okay. Hmm. You weren't expecting these results, were you? <laughs> I never know what to expect. Uh, I've learned to expect the unexpected. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to believe true things? 
what is true. It's interpretation. Mm -hmm. What do you think the word true means? Gosh, well, it can mean a lot of things. And I could take a two by four. Is it true in its length or is it warped? You know, uh, is it true that that is steel over there? Mm -hmm. is, is that true? Well, who defines steel? Why is it not that a beam? But, ah, okay. So, okay. How do you feel about words in general and dictionaries? I really like dictionaries. I really like you words. really like dictionaries? I'm an avid reader. Uh, I'm, I still look up words. Mm -hmm. I can understand a lot of them in context when I see them in a sentence or a paragraph. Mm -hmm. But I think, well, what was the writer actually using that word for? Why did he use that word? And I'll look it up. No. I think he was showing off. Ah. Uh, what goes through your mind when you encounter a word that is appearing, to, let's say younger kids, they might be using some word mm -hmm. that conflicts with how you are used to seeing that word being used? Well, a lot of it make us uncomfortable because we fear our beliefs are being challenged. Just or, by word changes? Mm -hmm. Word usages? For instance, the word sick to me means someone who has an illness. Mm -hmm. but apparently about eight years ago, it became a term for, that's really cool or hip. That's so sick. Yeah. And I was just like, okay. And I can let those people that want to do that be. I don't need to straighten them out. Okay. Do you adopt the usage as well? No, I didn't. I see that as, that's not appropriate for me. Hmm. This is something I'm not interested in. I mean, I remember my youth. We had interesting words and terms and things like that. But. Yeah. If this discovery of that word usage happened to you 30 years ago, do you think that you would be more open to using oh, that? Oh, yeah, just peer pressure. Peer, peer pressure? Well, just, you know, I want to I be like everyone else. I want to fit in and adapt and be. Hmm. And that's how slang you know, perpetuates itself. Okay. You would be more open to changing the usage of a word if you had been exposed to that change at a younger age. I think that I have enough common sense to realize that that that's just being used as a slang term. There, there are many of them out there that take normal words and they have a new connotation just based on what's the uh, zeitgeist of the moment. Uh huh. Okay. And you're reluctant to go with word change usages? I don't know that that's true. You got an example? Well, you had a really good one. Mm -hmm. um, sick. I mean, if 90% of our population started using the word sick to mean cool, do you think that you would have more of a tendency to go with it? Probably just out of uh, lack of resistance. It's just like the tolerance of self Yes, I remember going to the grocery store and like scowling. We'd scowl when we saw somebody walk by on a phone, right? Mm -hmm. But we don't do that anymore, do we? And I've even gotten where when they're standing there doing this, talking to it on a speaker, you know, that would something that would have historically you know, enraged me because it's an intrusion on my yeah rights, yeah. for lack of a better word. Yeah, and yet. Now I just I give up because it's, it's too overwhelming. It's too, too omnipresent. Right. 
Yeah, I, I distinctly remember my parents and myself, you know, when you, when you first saw those people on cell phones, you thought they're showing off, they're being arrogant. Maybe there was a little bit of jealousy too, because they had something, you know, that I didn't. Uh, but nowadays we just, we don't even blink when we see somebody walk by doing this with their speakerphone and talking into it. Okay, so. We might, I don't know that I don't blink, but I might, I do scowl. Mm. But I don't confront them anymore, it's just not worth it. They are so oblivious to what I thought. Oh, okay. Yeah. It still perturbs you. Yes. Mm. Okay. Is this a behavior that you start, that you do yourself? No, I don't. I, I'm trying to be very mindful mm -hmm. um, of when I'm on the telephone or when I'm using, you know, a phone or anything like that. Yeah. So, okay. Then, then again, I come from a, a much different generation. Yeah. We had one phone in the house. Okay. I, you know, I, the other day I thought, I missed the days where people had one phone in the house in the middle and you stood and talked about it. <laughs> it, it cut back on a lot of nonsense. <laughs> I don't know if I missed those days at all. Okay, so just to bring this full circle. Sure. Uh, when it, we recognize that word usages, word usages can change over time. Mm -hmm. We recognize that social norms can change over time, like the usage of cell phone or putting something on speakerphone. To bring this full circle to believing in a God. If, if you, if things were different and our culture, 90% of our culture really didn't believe in any gods. You happen to be raised in a family that didn't believe in any gods. Yet you encountered these difficult periods of time where you struggled with uh, substances. Do you think that you would have been more apt to attribute you getting through that to a higher power? Or do you think that you would have been more apt to attribute it to something else? Higher power. You'd still attribute it to a higher power? Hmm. To me, a lot of atheism ties back to people's reluctance and resistance to organized religion. And that's just my opinion, my experience. Hmm. Okay. How does that relate to... I'm just kind of wondering how that relates to the question of you getting through you getting through the difficult time in a culture where the majority of people didn't believe in any gods mm -hmm. you'd still attribute it to a god you said the majority there still remains a minority yeah so I would be part of the minority I'm part of I'm part of the minority now mm. okay in a culture where 90% of the population didn't believe in any gods, you think that you would have been in the 10%? Yes. Okay, why? Why? Yeah. From the experience that I had, and the fact that I just, I, I hear different drum beats than most people. What does that mean? I don't conform like most people do mentally. And when I find myself conforming, I find resistance to it. Hmm. Okay. Your life is better because you have a tendency to go against the grain. Yes. Hmm. Okay.
But we don't live in a culture where the majority of the population doesn't believe in any gods, at least in, the, in this culture. I don't, know, I don't know where you've lived your whole life. Have you always been? I've traveled extensively globally. Have you been to Texas most of the time? Uh, maybe about 20 years. Southwest. Okay. I'm from Tennessee. So I spent more of my Tennessee. Life in Tennessee. Okay. So Tennessee, Texas. I would say that that's probably largely a culture that believes in a god. Mm -hmm. Not only is it a culture that believes in God, it believes that people who don't believe in God are going to hell. Mm -hmm. So how would that be living against the grain? Like if if you were a person who lived against the grain, wouldn't you be a person that didn't believe in any gods? No, I'd be a person who didn't let someone else tell me what I could and couldn't believe in and how I need to believe. Hmm. Okay. How did you determine that you are not believing in a God because the majority of the people around you were? Because I had gone through some things in my youth you know, with religion was, or church was forced upon me. It was a church that I saw the hypocrisy in, and so, like a lot of people, I rejected the church, but I still felt a connection to a higher power or something, mm. a longing. Okay. Hmm. Okay, well. That was fun. That was really fun, man. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, dude. You bet. Yeah, let, let me give you a card. Okay. I think I've, I've probably seen you here on the trails oh, me, many, many me times, yeah, right? You asked me one time, too, and I was, I was, today I'm off work. So normally okay. I'll come take you know an early lunch and hike for an hour and then mm -hmm. hop right back into work. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, yeah, I don't we'll have head, time that day. I, and then I saw, saw you seen you a couple times, but you were uh, talking to somebody already. I thought, I'm going to talk to this guy. I'm really interested in what he's doing. <laughs> I admire from standing out there. That's, yeah. <laughs> this is probably one of the first times I've come out and actually been cold. Yeah. This is really Usually cool. it's hot and I'm, I'm craving water. Gloves. Yeah, that was smart. Gloves, yeah. All right, Milton. Well, thank you very much. You Feel free to email me and maybe we can chat again sometime. You bet. Take it yeah. easy. Bye-bye. I'm always a little cautious when somebody says the main reason for their God belief is because they got through addiction. And I'm sure you probably noticed how carefully I was treading there, even going so far as to tell him that I was being cautious with my questioning because I don't want to cause him any harm. I was a little startled when he mentioned faith during this conversation. I wasn't expecting it. I thought he might have other reasons for it, but it came up fairly quickly. Milton, it appears, was one of these individuals who has seen me out here several times. I think curiosity got the best of him, and he had a little bit of time to chat with me while he was stretching. The most interesting part of this conversation for myself was how we started talking about the meaning of words and how he feels when he encounters word changes. For a long while now, I've had this curiosity about word usages in relation to street epistemology. And that came up when he started talking about truth and I asked him, well, what do you mean by that? And then we had this great discussion about the meaning of words and how the usages of words can change over time and, and his reaction to that. That then morphed into how he responds to social changes over time, referring to cell phone usage in public as an example, which I thought was great. Then we brought that full circle and came back to his belief where he seemed to take some pride from thinking that he was different from everybody else saying that he goes against the grain. Now, I gently challenged him on that after discovering that he spent most of his life in Tennessee and Texas, 
And yet, even then, he started to quibble about how he was different than all those other people. It was almost as if his need to be different superseded his need to be believing in something that was true. Street Epistemology is a technique by Dr. Peter Bogosian in his book, A Manual for Creating Atheists, and his Android and iOS app, Atheos.